You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. everybody and welcome to Phillies Backstage. I'm Tom Burgoyne along with John Brazier and uh, John big day today. First of all we got two huge things happening right now. First of all our first remote. We're, uh, we're here at PJ Willie Hands in um, Bluebell. And it's my far- uh, daughter, 13 year old daughter's favorite restaurant. I come here all the time. She's always pushing to go to PJ's. Yes it is the first time normally doing it. Uh, obviously our listeners don't know. We normally do it in a conference room at the ballpark but we are Kicked out of the ballpark. Yeah. So we said, what better place to do it than PJ's, which is right down the street Let's from where we live. Let's do it at a bar. So you great, great beer, not? great wings and everything. <laughs> Let's do it at a bar. <laughs> and we also, you hear that laugh right there, we have one of my favorite players uh, in my 27 years of the Phillies uh, as a guest today. Yeah, I mean, uh, one of the great relievers of all time. And I know, John, you are, you got like a stack of papers over there. You are going to make the case that this guy should be in the hall. I don't know what's taking so long. There's no question he's a Hall of Famer, but he's Billy Wagner. How you doing, Billy? I'm great. How are you guys? Uh, we're doing good. Yeah, we're doing good. You're, you're our first guest that we've had uh, in a bar. So, uh, you know, I hope you feel honored. <laughs> is that a good thing? Is that a good thing? I, I'm, it's a good... I am honored, but I'm, I'm just I'm, – that, that takes me back. Well, exactly. Well, because, Billy, we spent a lot of time in McFadden's uh, back when – actually when players went out. Now they – now, I guess because the cell phones, the players don't really go out anymore. But back in the day, uh, spent a lot of time with it, uh, which is all a good thing. And that's r- one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on here. Well, it's great to be involved. Yeah. And, uh, you know, John and I were talking, Billy, uh, you know, when you first came uh, to Philadelphia in 2004, um, you know, it was for us, it was such an exciting time uh, because we had just closed the vet. Uh, Jim Tomey was coming off like the greatest single season in <laughs> Philly's history. I mean, it was an unbelievable year. We're opening up the new ballpark, and then we sign you. And, and I know John and I, I mean, and the whole organization, we were just so fired up. Like, oh, my gosh, we got Billy Wagner coming to the Phillies. I mean, could you sense when you le- uh, left Houston and you came to Philadelphia kind of the excitement uh, level in the city at that time? Absolutely. I mean, the new uh, the new stadium was on there. I mean, you had really up and coming players. I mean, Jimmy Rollins was a dude. Uh, you know, Pat and uh, you had uh, well Kenny Lofton was there too. And then uh, and then well he came with us. And then Tim Morrell got Roberto Hernandez came. Uh, I mean, it was just this true, just just amazing like onslaught of players. And so you know, and, and then you had Big Jim who was just you know. Big Jim, so he 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 was he's going to carry everything. So it was just really a, a point where you could see the new stadium. The fans were excited. You know that the you know the expectations were through the roof. Well, I, I remember you got traded in the off season. We got you in the off season, and you didn't come in. Uh, we didn't have a press. Con- uh, yeah, I don't think we had a press conference when you uh, when we signed you or traded for you. Uh, so the first right. time I was reading the press release, uh, and I saw that you're that you lived in Charlottesville or Crozet outside Charlottesville. And I was really excited because I said, you know what, I'm going down to spring training. I'll meet him for the first time. And that's going to make it easier because obviously I went to school at UVA. So I know Charlottesville mm-hmm. very well and we'll have, a, we'll have a bond. 
I don't know if you remember this, um, but a funny story. I get down to spring training. There's nobody in the locker room except for, in the clubhouse, except for Randy Wolf. So Wolfie liked inappropriate jokes. So I told him an inappropriate, <laughs> inappropriate joke. I didn't know you were in there. And you came over and goes, dude, that's sick. And so I avoided you for a couple of days. And then I am, we're interviewing somebody else with Randy Wolf. And Wolfie says, hey, uh, Billy, do you know John Brazier? And you said, no, you forgot that we met. And you said, no. He said, he's got these great jokes. He just told me this one, which wasn't my joke. He told an even more inappropriate joke that was his. And next thing you know, you looked at me, he goes, dude, and you walked away. I swear to God, Billy, you saved yourself a month of interviews because every time a radio station <laughs> said, hey, John, can we get Billy Wagner? I said, yeah, let me go see if he's ready or if he's available. I'd go down there. I wouldn't even approach you. And I'd, I'd come back and say, no, he's in the trainer's room or he's this, he's that. So you got that might be a good way or a what was a great way to avoid the interviews. <laughs> oh, and you know what's pro- you know what's funny is that I, you know as terrible as this sounds, I was probably just laughing inside like no tomorrow. But it was just so funny because I, I mean, Randy was I mean he he could he could get you to I, I mean he was really good at straight facing you too. Oh yeah, so Wolfie would sit there and so you know he comes over and he's looking at me. You know he he give you that look like hey you need to play along and so you kind of knew. And I mean that was so funny. I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> and I mean I remember you still so on kind. Then I felt bad. Then I was like man this guy's I'm a jerk. What? I said I need to give him like you know. I, well, I think I think literally it was I was in McFadden's. This is maybe like three months later. I got to know you, and then I think I was at McFadden's, and I finally felt comfortable enough to say, "Hey, Billy, do you remember when I when I when I, I explained the situation?" I said, "Were you mad?" You're like, "No, man, I wasn't mad at all." I'm like, "Oh my god, I just avoided you for three months for no reason." How how inappropriate was this joke, man? I mean, well, Billy my, remembers my, it. Mine was inappropriate. Randy's was really inappropriate. Put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's it definitely baseball lingo. Yes. You know, right. and, uh, you know, other pl- – I mean, you mentioned some of the free agents we brought in that same year. I mean, we were kind of going all in that year, Billy. You know, in the new ballpark, we had the young nucleus. Like you said, Tim Morrell, Roberto uh, Hernandez, uh, Kenny Lofton. Um, you know, uh, what was your sense of the team at that point? And, uh, and was it – you mentioned some of the looseness. Were there guys who were trying to keep it loose there in the clubhouse? Well, there was, but I'll, I'll be honest with you. When I came over, it couldn't have been more of a disarray for myself. Um, and, and, you know, first of all, the immaturity, my immaturity in, in coming over, I, you know, I, I did not help that team in very, except maybe a little on the field, but I was really a pain in the ass most of the time. But, uh, uh, and that was my immaturity. And, uh, but I mean, the talent there was tremendous. I mean, um, I mean, the up and coming. I mean, you think about going through that season. You had Chase Udley just coming up. I mean, you know, uh, then you had uh, – I mean, there were so many things. I think the second year I was there, I mean, you think about it, You had uh, uh, Ryan Howard. He comes up and plays, what, a month and a half, hit 22 home runs. Yep. You had you had Mad Dog starting to kind of – then you had Flash Gordon, real good close friend of mine who's in the – I mean – Oh, man, it was just, I mean, when you look back at the miss, the miss opportunities, and I mean, you know, I always think, you know, one of the greatest things I enjoyed, I loved, I loved the old school players. And so Vukovic being there and, he, you know, Vuk was, he's so old school, hard ass. He was awesome. He, he, I mean, you know, if you didn't have a little thickness to your skin, he would hurt your feelings in a heartbeat. But he was, you know, he was a very sensitive guy. 
off the field, very, you know, just a great. And then, and then, I mean, Boa, right? You had I mean, Boa's manager. Boa's uh, well, that's what, yeah. that was Bo was, I mean, Bo was, Bo was my type of manager. I mean, there was no, there was no gray area with Bo. It was like, you sucker, you're, you're good. He would flat hurt your feelings. And so I love that. And so, I mean, me and Bo, we, we were talking, you know, you weren't, it was different. And I mean, for the new age guys, it was, you know, they weren't used to that. I mean, I mean, they weren't used to the guy that would, you know, it was about winning. And Bo was just about winning. He, he could be your friend and he's way more your friend when you were doing well. But when you, I mean, I'll tell you the funniest thing is that two things that happened, like when Larry got fired, um, uh, you know, the first thing was, it was, you know, I'd gotten hurt and, you know, uh, and I'd hurt my shoulder. Uh, but, you know, I was told that the reason he got fired is because I got hurt. And, you know, those, those things, you know, those, I mean, I love, I love Larry. I love his, no nonsense. Let's go to work. That was my mindset. But I, I you know, man, that, I enjoyed him. I enjoyed him. I love talking to, to, to listening to those guys talk about their old stories because you know I'm a throw I'm a throwback type of uh, player. So it was fun to listen to them and and hear those stories. Well, then you went from Boa to another old school manager, but a different style, <laughs> totally different style. Charlie Manuel. What was that like uh, playing for Charlie? And another Virginian. Well, Charlie, I. Well, exactly. I've known Charlie since I was in college. I mean, this is how this is how big Charlie Manuel was. I was playing at Farm, playing football my freshman year, and we're getting ready to start the second half. Well, Charlie's on the sidelines with uh, our head coach, Hank Norton, and all of a sudden they stopped the game. They stopped the kickoff for the first, the second half. Bring me off the field to meet and talk to Charlie. I talked to Charlie. I mean, I'm having a conversation with Charlie. <laughs> and then I go back on the – that's how big Charlie – hey, it was a deal when Charlie Manny was there. And so I'd known Charlie for a while. And so uh, Charlie, when he got the job, he called me. And so he – and it was just, you know, just – I I enjoy Charlie because he, he's, he's – I'd say he's a – he's tough too. He's – you know, he, he, he can make me – I remember going out there and I converted something like 30 saves or 25 saves or something like that in a row. And I blew a save and I'm in my, I'm in my locker and, you know, I'm just sitting there and all of a sudden Charlie comes and just punches me, knocks me into my locker. <laughs> and, you know, and I'm, I'm like oh, looking around, I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, what the hell are you doing? And he goes, he goes, you pissed off. I go, yeah, man. He goes, good. He goes, I hate streets. He goes, now you'll be better. I'm like, well, shit, I was 25 for 25. How much better did you want? You know, so, and, I mean, but Charlie, great. Yeah, and a lot of people think that, you know, Charlie is this, you know, kind uncle and good old Charlie. But they don't. They didn't see that Charlie was, or probably didn't know, that Charlie had a tough streak. I mean, really tough streak, right? Oh, I mean, he's a, you didn't, oh, want, you didn't well, want to get on his bad side. The Red Devil. Well, ask, ask Jeff Gary. Ask Jeff Gary. I, I'll never forget. Charlie called me in the office and said, hey, I need to talk to one of your bullpen guys, Jeff Gary. And I, and he goes, uh, I want you to sit in there. And I'm like, what? I'm like, I've never been asked that. So I go in there and I'm sitting in there. Gary's in there. And I mean, Charlie is just hammering him. If you throw another pit, cause Jeff Gary had unreal stuff. I mean, he could throw 95. He could, th- he could throw hard, but he'd get in the games and be trying to be perfect. And 
Charlie called him in. He goes, if I don't see another ball under 90, I'm kicking your ass off this team down to double A, and you'll never – Oh, I mean, you, I mean, this, you know, and I mean, Jeff's young. And I mean, I can't even imagine having that conversation. I would have just whizzed down my leg, and Charlie's just freezing <laughs> hell on him and says, now get the hell out of my office. And, and so that night, Jeff ends up going out there, and I mean, he is throwing rockets. And I mean, he walks off there, and I remember Charlie – coming back walking by and you know he'd ramble across there and he tapped me on the shoulder and said hey see what he did yeah, he goes that's how you manage <laughs> I, I was like shit charlie <laughs> but it was but it, but it was you know i yeah, people didn't know about that i mean when he chased uh was it haskins who was uh, it? Howard, uh, Askin. Howard Askin. yeah he got yeah. almost had a fight Askin, in the locker room that was the, the holy shit that was the funniest thing i've ever seen i mean i mean you you know if social media would have been as good as it is now Holy God, that would have been the greatest. That would have been ran over and over. I mean, that was just. But I mean, he was, buddy. He 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 loved his team. He loved his players, and he would he wouldn't back down from anybody. And he didn't, you know. And you know, I I'm so happy that he was able to be success. The success. I mean, it's not that I was surprised, but once everybody bought in and saw how awesome he was. You know, it was great. It was great to see that for him. Yeah, and, and while well, you were talking, I'm, I'm still going picturing him uh, on the sidelines. You're in your shoulder pads and helmet, and, uh, <laughs> you know, and you're talking to him, uh, you, know, half, you know, just for the second half. But did he come down to scout you, Billy, uh, as a baseball player? No. Or no, no, no. no. He, he was from our neck of the woods, but he would uh, – him and our head coach were – were real close friends and he had to come to the game and he, he Charlie will tell you the story that well he tells me this story and I've yet to I, I, I when I talked to our our coach our head coach before who died like last year he would he would say he always said that but Charlie would say that they were going to put uh, these massive posters up on the gym to recruit Charlie to come play for for uh, Farron in junior college as a football, basketball, and baseball player. He was this three-sport, just megastar. And he, he talked about how they said they were going to hype him up and, and stuff. And, and it, it used to, it, you know, and I, you know, you know how people talk. And so I'm like, yeah, you know, you're probably full of it, Charlie. And so uh, I, I went to the coach when I went in for, like, a reunion. And the coach was, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, we tried that. We were going to, and I'm like, I got to hear this. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, Charlie was a Charlie was a big deal in in Virginia. Just, I mean, one of the top athletes uh, ever. And so, you know, the more I was able to explore and kind of investigate, Charlie, Charlie was just. I mean, he was. He, I mean, he could have he could have went pro in a, probably a few sports. Well, you know, it's funny. So I've got to know uh, Brian O'Connor, the uh, head baseball coach at UVA, which I'm sure now, since you're a high school mm-hmm. coach, now you know him pretty well. Um, and every year they do a uh, baseball banquet. It's before the season starts. Mm-hmm. Uh, have they asked you to do that, or have, have you done that? No, no, no. I'm a, I'm a high school baseball coach. I don't get that honor. <laughs> well, Charlie, <they, laughs> I'm a high school baseball coach. I, I'm sure he's tried, but the uh, but they're going to have Charlie uh, as the head speaker again. This is probably in February mm-hmm. before the season's going to start. Uh, the kickoff banquet. So uh, Brian O'Connor called me. I got Charlie to do it. Uh, and then Brian asked me to be the MC, so I'm down there. It's a current team and a lot of alumni, and I'm the MC. I, I bring Charlie up. Well, Charlie starts telling stories, and I'm sitting back with Brian at the table. Well, Charlie, as you know, can go on for a long time about you know, whatever subject he's on, and so he spent literally like almost a half an hour 
talking about his growing up in uh, Buena Vista, coming to Charlottesville and playing at Mem Gym and doing all this. And he was telling these yeah. stories and he's going on for like 20, 30 minutes. And Brian DeConder turns to me and says, hey, John, is he going to you know, our players want to hear about the World Series year. Is he going to start talking about that? Because if he doesn't start talking about that in, in about five minutes, you're going to have to go up there and tell him. And I'm like, look, at, oh, I'm like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and sure enough, Charlie pivoted, no. Charlie pivoted and started getting into the uh, – so he saved me from that. But, yeah, it's, it's, uh, he is a legend in, in that central Virginia area. Well, all of Virginia, I should say. And Philadelphia. Oh, yeah, really and Philadelphia, is. of course. Yeah. So. Well, uh, you know, we're talking – Loved it. you know, you're talking about your uh, your high school days and college days. I mean, when you were young, Billy, and I know it's been uh, talked about a lot, but John and I are still fascinated by the fact that when you were seven years old, you broke – you you threw right at seven. You know, you're a righty. You broke okay. your arm, you broke it a second time, and then you taught yourself how to throw left-handed. And then you wind up, you know, becoming uh, one of the most powerful relief pitchers in the history of the game. Uh you know, do you remember, I mean, was that a, kind of a conscious thing that, okay, I mean, I knew you were only seven, but, uh, I mean, did it kind of come naturally? It couldn't have been too conscious. Oh, <laughs> yeah, God, right. yeah. I mean, it did, think yeah. about, think about, think about, you know, anybody that's had kids. I mean, they fall, they get hurt, they're resilient. They, you know, if you want to, you know, if you want to play, you know, you find a way to do it. I, I mean, in my family, it was a sports family. We played football, baseball, basketball. We did, and if you didn't play sport. You know, you were pretty much an outcast. You really were. You, you, I mean, it was your uncles and your cousins. And I mean, everybody compared everybody to everybody. And so you were, it was that constant, uh, you know, uh, pecking order. And so, you know, when I broke my arm, I mean, I don't think, you know, I, I was going, oh, I'm through left handed. You know, I, I, that was never the case. It was just one of those things that, at that point in my life, I still had, was young enough to, and resilient enough to be able to play that game. And so being able to play that way, it, it just grew. And But, I mean, you know, coming out of high school, I was undersized. Going into college, uh, you know, I start, that's when everything started to blossom and, and, and happen for me. But, you know, at that seven-year-old age, it was more like, hey, I don't give a heck hell I'm going to do this. I'm going to go play. I'm going to give me left hand, right hand. I'm going to go play. And so that's really how that all came about. And, you know, God blessed me with a left arm that, you know, allowed me to have a very successful career. Did you ever think about doing, like, you know, we had that guy, Pat, was it Pat Venditti, I think his name, with that, that, uh -huh. that could go left-handed or right-handed. <laughs> could, could you have thrown right-handed if, no. if you had worked at it? No. I'm, I can tell you, oh, Kenny Rocker came in. We were playing Texas in Philly. And I don't know if it was the first year or second year. And he, 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 he was at the batting cage and I was standing. He goes, Wax, come here. He goes, I've been practicing on this. He goes, I bet you, he goes, he goes, I know I can't throw harder than you left handed, but he goes, I bet you I can throw as far as you can or hard as you can right handed. I'm like, all right. And I, at, at that point, I was still athletic enough to do anything. And so he's, he gets the ball and he's got a couple guys and he picks up the ball and he chucks it. And we're standing at, at the cage on the third base side and he throws it down and, you know, he, he probably gets about half, he gets about two thirds of the way to the, to the uh, foul line scans. And, and I picked the ball up and I threw it in the stand. And he looked at me and I went, he said, you don't read very much, do you? <laughs> he goes, what are you talking about? I said, I'm naturally right-handed. And he, it was, you could just see his face. And he was like, Holy <laughs> shit, really? But it was one of those things. But I'll tell you, you know, the funny story that many people don't know, it's like Daryl Kyle. Daryl Kyle was, man, we used to flip gloves and switch gloves during 
VP and play catch, and he could throw a. He was, you know, he had this nasty hammer, right hander, and, and right handed, and th- he threw hard left hand and a curveball. I mean, oh. he could. If there was anybody, I would have said he would have been the guy. I was like, man, because he would we would play catch, and I mean, he was crazy good throwing. I was like, he would just amaze me when I watched him. Yeah, and uh, I mean, you, you always led the league like in, in balls, you know, or uh, pitches over a hundred miles an hour. I mean. And that frame, you know, you were kind of small. Do you think that helped you, Billy, in terms of, you know, when you think of, you know, hard throwers, you think, ah, the six-foot-three guy, uh, you know, the big mound presence. And <laughs> At least you do now. Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah, and but one thing you had that was a str- very strong core, right? I mean, that's – you had um, – I'm, I'm assuming that a lot of that power comes from your thighs, your legs, right, your, your kind of lower well, body? I think there's a combination. I definitely think there's a lot that uh, – went into it i mean uh when you're when you're undersized i mean uh, you know the stars have got to line up you know the puzzle pieces have got to fit and i really think that for some reason i was able to line those up and um you know and i and i i would say that you know literally everything came from my toe my my uh tips of my toes to the tips of my fingers i mean it, it took everything being in suit to be able to do what i did consistently and so um you know i think that that was a you know what was a uh uh, you know i think it was just mechanics uh a gene set there's so many things i think that were involved in that whole my career that blessed me with 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 that success but uh yeah i uh you know i don't you know i you know but i watched roy oswald i mean i played with him and I mean, he, you know, the way he was able to do what he did with what he had to work with. I mean, that was just as incredible to me. I mean, I mean, he had no girth to him at all. I mean, yeah. he was lanky and he wasn't, I mean, he was a little taller than me. So, but I mean, he wasn't 6'3", but he, he would go out there and throw a 97 mile hour fastball and throw you a 67 mile hour curveball. Hmm. And I mean, and all looked the same and you'd be just like, God, I mean, he was the, he was a guy. Before the freak, Linscom, he was the freak. Well, Billy, you, you know, you mentioned, oh, today, yeah, today's uh, relief pitchers, they come in and they're big guys and they can throw hard. But a lot of guys still have a hard time hitting 100 on the gun. You know what I mean? Like they're always, And you just mentioned Roy Oswald, who was a small guy, or, uh, you know, hitting 97. But that 100 mark, I mean, when, and again, coming, going back to Philadelphia, 2004, or, you know, you're, it's that first season, we're having sellouts uh-huh. every year. When that 100 would get flashed up on the scoreboard, you know, the crowd would all cheer, you know. It still is a, a, a big thing. And, um, you know, were you kind of conscious of that when you would throw a 100-mile-an-hour pitch? Like, oh, I just well, threw 100-mile-an-hour. Well, <laughs> well, you knew it in Philadelphia. Yeah. You definitely knew it in Philly. Uh, it, you know, that's really the first time I'd really uh, – been aware of it to be honest with you i you know i I knew i threw hard i knew um you know what that you know those things but i I think what you know for me i was so uh i had such anxiety and i would be uh i I never worried about how hard i was throwing when i was on the mound i the last thing i could worry about i I mean i was my biggest fear just throwing strikes got those strikes and, you know, all that worked out together. And, you know, um, the anxiety of going out and failing and stuff like that helped me to be as successful. But it was one of those things where, uh, you know, uh, looking back, I mean, I, I laugh at, you know, uh, 
Philly was. I mean, the two years I was in Philly's probably stat wise were the best stats I've ever had in in a, in a span, a two year span. Um, I mean, they it was tremendous. Uh, but I mean, you know, I think that that was the one place where you you were. I felt like, you know, I mean, coming from Houston at that point, we just really got out of the Astro Dome. I played maybe three seasons in at uh, Minute Maid, and I mean, you're talking about different, completely different crowds. I could hit a, I think in '03, uh, I hit a hundred a bunch of times, and I don't think the crowd even knew it. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you know, you're different with dealing. You were dealing with a different whole crowd, and I mean, in Philly, I mean, my first outing, I, I went a hundred, a hundred, hit ninety nine, and got booed. So I mean, you know, those they were, but they knew, you know, they knew what was going on, and they were they were toned in. And so, uh, you know, nowadays, nowadays the the fan base is way more toned in in Houston. And I mean, when Garrett Cole and Verlander and uh, Lidge and all those guys are, I mean, they they were honed in on these guys. I mean, you know, and these guys do they when you watch them throw now, when you sit behind the backstop, and you know, I've gotten to watch a, a game or so, uh, but when I watch them, it's like silliness watching these guys throw their stuff i mean i'm i'm amazed and enthralled just to watch how awesome they are because the, the guys are just bigger stronger faster i mean it's just a, when you see a guy throwing 88 you're like is he hurt yeah i mean yeah. You, you look back a little different now bill you mentioned uh brad lidge you guys were teammates in houston um did you mm-hmm. when in two that when we won the world series obviously brad had a Perfect season. Hey, perfect season. Uh, 54 saves, right? And let me tell you something before uh, that. Let me sorry. tell you something before that. 48. Yeah, let me tell you something before you said I just gotten traded, and you got Lidge. Or it was a year after. And Lidge called me, and he goes, hey, I just got traded. To, um, what year was it? It was 08, right? Yep. Yeah, 08. Because it was 05. Um, he had a tough uh, postseason. They got to the World Series. The next uh, – you know, and so he calls me and goes, "Hey, tell me about Philly." I said, "Dude, you better be perfect." <laughs> I looked, that's the exact and he was. I said, "Dude, right. you better be perfect." <laughs> I'm not kidding. I, so you guys win the World Series. I call him. I go, "Dude, that was just impressive." I mean, I don't know if you could draw that up any better. I said, "You can't." You, I said, "Whatever you did, I said, there, it's impossible to ever do it again." Yeah. I said, "You look at how perfect he was." I mean. And, you know, and you know what? I couldn't be more happy for a guy like him. He had, you know, he'd went through a lot with broken, gotten hit and broke his forearm. He'd, you know, he'd, he'd had to go through his, his whole demons with pool holes and yeah. all this stuff. And yeah. now, and they come back and do that, man. I was, shoot, I was so happy and jealous and pissed off at him. <laughs> Cause he just ruined it for all of us. You and Mariano. Now, I mean, shit, uh, who, now what are we going to do? So, but it was so awesome to watch that. You know, I was so happy for him. I called him and, you know, just, you know, I was so happy for him and Lindsay and his family. That was just a great moment. Yeah. Hey, Billy, too, in your, in your time here, you had a really good bond with the beat writers. Uh, a couple things. I remember uh, you used to take them out every year down spring training at Villa Galachi. Uh, you'd literally take the whole, all the beat writers from every paper. Uh, I was lucky enough to join one time. And then also, um, if you remember this, Jim Salisbury, uh, one of the writers we've mm-hmm. had, we've had him on our podcast, uh, and we had him talk about this. That you let him catch you during a bullpen session, and he wanted to find out from you know what it was like to catch Billy Wagner, you know, or, or close to a hundred mile per hour fastball. <laughs> uh, what was 
did you appreciate your, or I shouldn't say appreciate it, obviously you, you took them all out to dinner. What was that like? Tell us about your relationship with the beat writers and then talking about pitching to Jim Salisbury. <laughs> well, I saw with Jim first. I, I really like Jim. Um, you know, um, you know. I, first of all, I knew the beat writers have a job to write. And it's not always going to be fun in the sun. It's not always going to be something that I'm going to enjoy. But I, they had a job to do. Um, but when Jim comes to me and he said, hey, I want I want to catch you. I'm, I kind of like, okay, this, you know, this ain't going to be what you think. And he's like, no, I caught a little bit. I'd like to do this. And, you know, we had to run up the chain and stuff. But when they said, sure, you know, you know, and at that point, I'll be honest with you, it, big league pitchers can hit, they can throw enough strikes in an area that, you know, probably protect you a little bit. You know, I can, I can throw and at least stick it off his glove or something like that where he's not, he actually did a great job. Hmm. He was. He kept asking me, "Are you throwing? Are you throwing like you normally would?" And I'm like, "I'm like, well, what? A, I, you know, you're sitting there going, man, what an ass! Is she really asking me this right now?" <laughs> you know. And so I, I mean, I'm throwing, and he, you know, he, he made it look easy. I made me feel like I was like, gosh, maybe, maybe I don't have stuff. Man, you guys are just not really good hitters. <laughs> and he said he, 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 know, said, but he, he was, said it didn't hurt. Like he said he was catching it. He said if you catch it right, it doesn't hurt, no matter how hard he's throwing. No, he he did a great job. But I, you know, you appreciate that because somebody that wants to, when they do that, then they can say something, right? They they have that that ability to go. Well, you know what? This is what I saw when I caught. Now, granted, it's not game that game situation, but the intensity. But, but I, it wasn't like I was out there trying to just lob it in there and be. You know, I'm throwing like I would throw a normal bullpen, and and he didn't. You know, it was great. So I mean, he's sitting there still catching a low to mid ninety fastball. And, and sliders and stuff. So he he did a really good job. But, you know, I enjoyed the beat riders. As much as they were paying the ass, I enjoyed them. Yeah. I mean, they had a job to do and stuff. Their stories are tremendous. God, I, you know, uh, it, but Randy and um, uh, Paul Hagen and uh, they just had that, I, you know, I enjoyed their, their, their conversation because, you know, it was with guys that I looked up to. Guys that I always wanted to meet, and guys like I mean, I don't remember Frazier when I took uh, Robert Roberts out with the bullpen yep. down in uh, so that one of. The, I mean, we were, gonna, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, Robin Roberts. I mean, it, it, you know, it still baffles me today when I think about. It. Yeah, I sit down with Robin Roberts and his son, and we ate at this. Uh, gosh, I can't, I can't remember. I think it was an Italian shop in Clearwater. And I and I went up to Robin, and I'd met Robin in '98, uh, no '99, the All Star game, because I'd went up to uh, shake Stu Carlson's hand, and he he ignored me and slapped me away. And Robin Roberts walked up to me and and shook my hand and was like, "Hey, you know, you're." A, he goes, "Man, I love watching." But it come to find out, Robin Roberts was my one of my grandfather's favorite players. Huh. And so, you know, so I'm sitting here and I remember talking to my grandfather and then Robin's at, he happens to be in Clearwater and I go, Hey, would, would you mind if I took you out to eat with our uh, bullpen guys? And we, uh, just, you know, kind of take your ear and hear some stories. And he's like, well, I thought he might be an hour, hour and a half. It was like three and a half, four hours. Wow, that's cool. That's nice. awesome. It was unreal. I was so enthralled just sitting there. Just, I mean, 
I could have just ate it up longer, but I mean, he was so good to just sit back. And I'm, that's, that's what I like. And that's where the beat writers, you know, the introductions to beat writers knew these guys. And I mean, when you look back at what they brought in, I mean, to walk in the dugout and there's Mike Smith. I mean, I'm, I grew up with that guy. I mean, I don't know if anybody feels that way. When, like I, I walked in there and I'm seeing these guys. That's why I like watching Larry Boa. You know, I watched Larry Boa. I knew who Larry Boa yeah. was before I got there. Those are those those are things I love, and I mean, you know, I, I enjoyed that. I mean, I knew Mitch, I knew I knew these guys, but I knew I knew the older guys. I knew the guys before, you know, um, you know, I knew the eighty group. You know, I knew those guys. So, so that's what I like, and so the beat writers could tell you those stories about that, and, you know, Paul and those guys, and you just be like, man, and just it was just good to hear those stories and just understand what was, you know, what it's about. I, I loved it. Yeah, we're and we're we're blessed to have a lot of great ones. We act, you, Jason Stark is another guy. He was on our podcast last month. Yeah, it's like yeah. you know, just uh, we're yeah. we're blessed in this area to have uh, you know those kind of uh, well great players, but also great baseball writers. And Jim Salisbury now is going to be able to say that he caught. I'm a future Hall of Famer because John's over yep. here. He just got his paper out, Billy. And uh, not that you need any kind of uh, endorsement by John Brazier, our director <laughs> of fun and games. But, uh, uh, you know, it, it is unbelievable. When we were getting ready to have you on, Billy, I mean, your career is so it, – it's it blows me away. And uh, certainly the numbers back it up. You absolutely should be there. And, and Braze, take it away. I mean – Crush it. You can't hear me at oh, all. Now hey, I can hear you. Now we can hear you. There you are, man. You disappeared for a little bit. I don't sorry about that. We are huh. it's not good to have two technically feeble people. Um, oh, you're talking about the wrong person. Me too. Oh my gosh. So and we don't have an engineer. So. We usually have an engineer, but instead there we have a bartender. There's a bartender right across the way here and I don't think they know how to handle uh, you know, Bluetooth and uh, you know, the equipment we have going here. So. All right. So so here's here's for the listeners out there. I'm going to get, throw out some stats here. Ready? Seven-time All-Star. Uh, you pitched a combined no-hitter in 2003, which is awesome. Uh, 424 career saves, which ranks sixth of all time. You were one of only six relievers to accumulate at least 400 saves. Uh, you had 903 innings pitched. Only 59 relievers in the entire game's history have reached 903 innings. Um, your 33.2% strikeout percentage is best by far of those 59 relievers who have pit, who have reached 903 innings. Uh, a little sabermetrics, which Tom and I aren't the greatest at sabermetrics. Yeah, this is the most stats we've ever had on I our know. show. I so, know. So using sabermetrics, there's this, there's a career ERA minus. I, I don't even know if I'm saying it properly, but it's career ERA minus, which is adjusted for home ballpark and league ERA. Um, you are second only to Mariano Rivera. Uh, and much better than Hoffman, Lee Smith, Raleigh Fingers, and Goose Gossage. Your career FIP, which is fielding independent pitching, uh, which is also league-adjusted, uh, park-adjusted. Um, you're second to Rivera. Nobody else. You're second to Rivera. Your career opponent's batting average is 184, which is number one of all time by a large margin uh, of all the relievers that amassed over 900 innings pitched. Uh, you're also the only one to have an opponent's batting average under 200, uh, and then the last saber metrics is uh, F War, which is Fan Graphics wins above replacement, uh, where you rank sixth all time behind Rivera, Gossage, Hoffman, Fingers, and Lee Smith. And what I think the best part is you didn't slow down when you got older. Your last year, you were 39 years yep. old. Yep. You had a 1.43 ERA with 37 yeah. saves. So when you look at all those 
numbers, you look at the company that you're you're above, and most of those. How are you? There's no way you're not a Hall of Famer. And, and let me just add one cool. Well, this is this is the, Billy. Just one fun fact uh-huh. was uh, 2003. Um, you had 159 pitches over 100 miles an hour. The guy who came in second place was Bartolo Colon, which, by the way, we don't think of him as a hard thrower. No. What do you have, know? like 10? He had 12, <laughs> 12. 12 pitches. And believe me, I guess that doesn't make the Hall of Fame, but that is just a fun fact. Billy, John made the case. I think it's uh, pretty apparent, right? Well, I think that I think the problem lies that I didn't take enough beat writers out. <laughs> I think that's where it ends. I think, I think what I was in. I think when I was in Houston, and I think we had one beat writer, and well, you know, New York, I didn't take them all. I, I think that's where the problem lies. I don't think it's got anything to accept. I didn't wine and dine the voters enough. You got to bribe so, them. Well, the Philadelphia guys should do it for, your, for their meal at Villa Galachi. Yeah, exactly. But I, I guess, I guess I just didn't, I just didn't do that. You know, I, those, you know, those numbers amaze me every time I see it. But I, I you know, the one thing that is. To me, it's just I, I get shocked at just you know the company in that. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I, when they ask me about about the Hall of Fame, I, you know, it's hard for me to even fathom. But I mean, uh, it's a childhood dream. It's it's something that you you totally want to you totally want to be a part of. But it, it's just you know when you look at who's in it and what's it's just you know such an awesome feeling just to even be on that list and I mean you know the hardest thing about being on that list is always you know you go back to your competitive days and so you start you 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 hear all the positives and then you know you always have to hear the negatives and the, the pros and the cons and so but it's just a you know a, a true an honor and a pleasure to, to to still be on that list Awesome, awesome. Well, you know how we feel, Billy. So yep. if, we were, if we handled all the voting, uh, you'd, be you'd be in. But, uh, John, you want to do the list? Yep, the we're, quiz? we're time for the quiz. We're right, going to wrap up. Quiz. Billy, you got eight mm-hmm. que- eight questions. Oh, boy. Uh, if you get six or better, uh, I'm going to take you out to uh, Crozet Pizza. How about that? Next time I'm in the yep. Charlottesville area. All right. All right. That is one of Deal. the better pizza places down there, right? Deal. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right, here we go. First question is, again, multiple choice, and these are all about you. Uh, so here's your first question. You mentioned Ferrum College. Uh, I'm going to give you four people, uh, celebrities. Three of them went to Ferrum College. One did not. Wow. Tell me which one did not. Th- three celebrities went to Ferrum College? Well, f- yeah. le- well, well four. Four, Billy four Wagner. Billy. All right, ready? All right, go ahead. A is Kevin Keats, who's the head men's basketball coach at NC State. B is- yes, he did. Okay, <laughs> don't jump ahead too much. B is Chris. <laughs> B is Chris Warren, running back for the Seahawks, yes, Cowboys, and Eagles. Uh, C is Paul Lind, who is middle square on the Hollywood Squares, and D is Harlem Globetrotter Jerry Venable. Which one did oh, not? Damn. So you got Paul Lind or think- Jerry Venable, since you both said Keats and Warren, or you said Keats and Warren both went there. Well, I went to school with Keats, so I know him. <laughs> right. And and Warren was there the year before I got there, so I got to watch him. Oh, so man. would it be more likely a Harlem Globetrotter or a middle square in the Hollywood Squares went to Ferrum College? <laughs> Either one. I'm going to go with C. You're right. Paul Lynn did not go to Ferrum College. All right. Very good. You're off to a good start. Number two, <laughs> second question. What was your batting average at Tazewell, right? That's where you went? Tazewell High? Tazewell. Yeah. Tazewell. Okay. Tazewell. Your batting average and your ERA. Uh, okay. A is 451 and a 152 ERA. 
B is 400 and 206 ERA. Three is 365 and 130 ERA. D is 500 and 2.10 ERA. Like- 40 years ago? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, Billy. Oh, yeah. Hey, <laughs> no kidding. I have no idea. Just go with yeah. – All right. I, I like them all. Yeah. I, I'll be honest with you. I like them all. I'm going to go with all the above. Yeah, right, well, well then all the above starts with an A, so you got to write A. You batted 451 <laughs> with a 1.52. All right, that's probably the hardest. Uh, all right, you set, a single, you set a single season NCAA record for strikeouts per nine innings. What was it? Was it 16, 19 and a third, 17, 18 and two-thirds? 19. 19 yeah, and a third. Yeah. You are right. Nice, All right. Billy. Three for three. All right. Your first minor league team was the Quad Cities River Bandits. Which one of these was not a teammate of yours in 1994? Okay. So your first minor league team was the Quad Cities River Bandits. Which one of these was not a teammate? Okay. Chris, tu- Chris Truby, R.J. Bowers, Trevor Froshauer, and Scott Brandreth. So you got A, Chris Scott- Tru- Scott Brandridge was not a teammate. <laughs> no, he's, he wasn't. He's in charge of our giveaways, Billy. He's, he does all of our <laughs> bobblehead dolls and everything. So uh, just give Scott Brandreth a little plug. All right, you're four for four. How about that one? All right, it gets easier. I think you're going you're gonna to roll from here. Uh, number five, in your first full season in the majors, you set a major league record of 14.4 Ks per nine. What record did you break? Was it Lee Smith, Goose Gossage, Rob Dibble, or Nolan Ryan? Rob Dibble. Rob Dibble's Rob correct. Dibble. You are five for five. You're on a roll. This one is not multiple choice, but I want you to name, other than yourself, the five other pitchers that were involved in the rare combined no-hitter. 2003 uh, against the Yankees. Yes. All right. It would be Oswald, yep. Monroe, uh, God. He is now the pitching coach at TCU, Sir Luce. Yep. yep. You got two more. Dotel yep. and Lidge. Lidge. Yeah, Very bang. good. You are six for six. I knew you'd get that one. All right. This one is in your wheelhouse. This should be in your wheelhouse. Uh, we didn't even talk about alpacas because we know you raise oh, alpacas on your farm. Oh, All right. All right, <laughs> Matt Dallow. Do you, st- do you still uh, raise pa- alpacas? Yeah. I, well, I don't raise them. I still have them. You still have them. All right. Well, you should get this. What is a baby alpaca known as? Korea. Bang. <laughs> okay, which is Spanish for baby. Yes, you are correct. Seven for seven. Look at this. Billy All right, Wagner. And you're to go to go a pure eight for eight. Uh, you are you are currently the baseball manager for the Miller School, right, of Albemarle. Correct. Correct. All right. I'm sure you know this, but several movies have featured the school uh, in mo- it's in the, the Miller School of Albemarle in movies. Okay, which of these movies mm-hmm. was it not? Was the Miller School of Albemarle not featured? Okay. You got toy soldier mm-hmm. A toy soldiers B dead poet society C major pain D Morgan Stewart's coming home. I think it's B and D. Well, according dead to Wikipedia, you are correct. Is dead poet society was not there, but they said Morgan Stewart's coming home was at uh, the Miller it. School. Nope. But you, no? no, it was not. All right, well, Wikipedia <laughs> pain and toy soldier. <laughs> Well, Wikipedia is wrong then, and uh, I've been wrong before on Wikipedia. And, Billy, that's pretty awesome. Going eight, You joined Jason Stark and uh, uh, Mike Tolan, movie director. Maybe, yeah. As the only uh, – Oh, well, really? Yeah, yeah, one of three people to go eight for eight. Very good. Wow. Good company. <laughs> Billy, uh, we can't thank you enough for, uh, you know, spending some time with us on our podcast. 
Um, hopefully, we'll see you soon. Hopefully, you get into Philadelphia yeah. sometime. And I'm going to call you next time yeah. I'm in Charlottesville. Please. That would be great. All right. Sounds good. Billy, really appreciate it. Thank you so much, and good hey, luck with everything. You. And I hope you do make the yeah. Hall of Fame uh, this year I or, or down the road. Thank you. I appreciate it, guys. It was good to hear from you. All right. Thanks, Billy. All right, guys. See you later. Bye-bye now. All right, the great Billy Wagner. How about that, huh? Love it. We had a little technical di- difficulties. Hopefully, we're going to send this to Rob Brooks. He can he can edit out the downtime. Rob, hopefully you can. But I, somehow we figured it out. That's I, the best part. I don't know how you did it, John. I don't I, know how I did it I either. Work. I still have no idea. I was ad living, and uh, hopefully we'll cut it all out. If not, it's a podcast. So but th- this place really is uh, PJ Williams yeah, Bluebell. Yeah. We're on two hundred two. Yes, it is uh, Charlotte's favorite place. It really is. She gets and she gets the same thing every time. She gets she's thirteen years old, so she's almost getting out of that mac and cheese phase. But we, Jill and I love it because it's got great beer selection, great food uh, beyond that. John, Fish look, taco is very good. And the TVs. Uh, we're shooting this on Wednesday. There's going to be a rare 3.30 uh, football game, yep. Wednesday afternoon football game. And uh, it's just a great place to come for sports. Obviously, I was talking about, you know, Ashburn Alley. You know, you got to hit uh, P.J. Wheeling hands up. So, uh Great spot, and we hope um, to do this down the road. We'll see. We'll see if yeah. this becomes more of a tradition. Yeah, let's see how it works. I mean, hopefully, uh, you know, the pandemic doesn't shut everything down. They're they're working at a, kind of a lower capacity here now, but uh, hopefully, we can get back in. Yep. Uh, and we also, I was also saying, and I don't know if we're going to edit it out or not, uh, but um, the Darren Dalton Foundation and Mana are teaming up for a great night this Thursday. And it's Wednesday now. I'm not sure when this podcast is going to run, but. Uh, we're having a virtual quiz though night. Yep. I know both of us are really uh, involved. involved with uh, the Darren Dalton Foundation. Uh, it's a great cause. Obviously, uh, the, the money raised uh, helps families who have been affected by brain cancer. And um, a virtual quiz of night. Uh, how, how, can, how can listeners uh, sign up? Yeah, so you go to darrendaltonfoundation.org. And uh, you, you sign up. Uh, it's individual. You don't need a team, which is kind of nice. You yeah. know, sometimes it's hard, especially if it's last minute. You know, you just want to, you know, see what's doing. There'll be some uh, celebrities. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a great night. Yeah. Good. It's going to be cool. So hopefully uh, if, if you're around, sign up. And, um, John, this was fun. Hopefully we can do this again. Yep. Well, we're going to do it again in a couple of weeks. And uh, we're hoping to get another. I've got a couple of uh, former ball players that would be. I, I, Billy was great. I love Billy. He's one of my favorite players uh, when I worked with him. So. Uh, hopefully we can get another one of uh, of that ilk. Yeah, yeah. And he, he was, you know, with Phillies at a great time when we're moving into the new ballpark. And, uh, and well, he's a Hall of Famer, John. It's going to happen this year, you know. I hope so. That's the hope. All right. Well, we'll sign off. Uh, thanks for signing in, everybody, or uh, listening to us. And thanks and to P.J. Willihans for hosting us. Yeah. Sounds good. And we'll see you at the ballpark. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazon's 
of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.